welcome to Up Close and Virtual with me, Katie Tew. In each episode, I'll be joined by a guest where we'll be chatting about our experience of starting and running a business, the lessons that we've learned along the way. We'll be sharing our top tips and, of course, best practice. Expect to be entertained, enlightened and empowered. Happy listening. everybody and welcome to the next episode of Up Coast and Virtual. We're rattling through the episodes now and I'm absolutely delighted this afternoon to welcome my fab guest, the wonderful B. Collins Prescott of Be Heard. Be Heard is a wonderful marketing and branding consultancy and B as in Belinda, who is the owner, founder and managing director of Be Heard, and I have been working together since December 2019, I think, B. Yeah? Correct. Yeah. My memory serves me well. It was Christmas in London at an event at the Eight Club. I did get it all right. So B and I continue to work for a, a shared client at the moment um, and uh, develop our relationship as a result. And I have loved every minute of working with B. She really knows her stuff when it comes to marketing. Um, and I have learned an enormous amount from her over the years that we've been working together. So I am very grateful for, for that and also for her time this afternoon. B, how are you? I'm really well, thank you. Thank you for having me. How exciting. <laughs> well, it's good fun. And um, certainly the listeners are going up slowly but surely. So that means we must be doing something right. Um, and uh, hopefully lots of the audience are listening or learning as we're going along as well. B, I always start these podcasts asking my guests if they can kind of tell us their story and how you got to where you are now. Of course. OK, so I'll uh, I'll go for the potted history. Um <laughs> Worked really hard at school, struggled with GCSE, struggled even more with A-levels, absolutely knocked my socks off. Um, it's actually where my 5am AM routine started, but yeah. we'll talk about that more later. Yeah. Um, got offered a place at Oxford Brooks to study business and Japanese. Why did wow. I think Japanese? A dyslexic girl. Oh my gosh, <laughs> dyslexic girl from Essex studies business and Japanese. But anyway, um, but I took a year out because I was after my levels, I was exhausted. So I deferred a place and I did a bit of admin work in my dad's borough council, not my dad's borough council, but the borough <laughs> council that my dad worked for. <laughs> um, and I was responsible for faxing adverts up to the London agency. That makes me feel so old. So oh my used... goodness, faxes, faxes. My okay, so we're not giving away any ages here, but um, <laughs> I, I too remember faxes. <laughs> oh my, it was um, yeah. So we used to write the proof, then I'd print it, fax it up. They'd fax back a proof. I would need to proofread it, send it to the seniors, get it approved, and fax it back to the agency. Oh. And the agency were based in Farringdon and they were so quirky and amazing and they came and visited yeah. 
and it was like the queen visiting it was like amazing um so anyway they rang me up randomly one day and said we're looking for um a new administrator for one of our teams would you consider it and I was like no I'm going to university I'm just getting some money to go to university and they said well would you not come and have a chat to us and I was like no I'm going to university (laughs) Um, anyway, I had a chat with them. I uh, got given a spelling test. and wow. I, Oh, no. So I cried all the way home. Mum said it was a bad idea for you to have gone and done that. Oh. Next day, got offered the job and it wasn't a spelling test. It was a proofread. And what I've realised is dyslexic people are really good at proofreading because you can see where the errors are. Yeah. It's just you don't know how to correct them all yeah. the time. That was before wonderful Siri, who now just tells you anything. Yes. <laughs> so anyway. How we be without Siri and Google? Oh, goodness. So then let's jump a number of stages. So I worked in London for 15 years, jumped through the career ladder very, very quickly. I was very fortunate. The industry was buoyant at the time and the, the head hunting was unbelievable. Yeah. So every career progression I got was because someone wanted me that the current agency were willing to pay more they wanted Mm -hmm. to keep me account director by the age of 26 so not many of my friends had really finished uni um before I was commanding teams um and big budgets big big budgets so I loved London never thought I'd leave um I then were approached by a regional agency and I was like no I don't do regional agencies I'm a London agency darling um and anyway went and had a chat um and ended up going client service director it was about the time that I was possibly thinking about family so it was probably ideal to be a little bit closer to home Home. yeah Uh, um oh sorry I lost you there it's okay I'm still here no I'm not yeah you are you're back yeah okay okay um uh yeah I was with that agent for 12 years client service director six years as managing director um and then just got so sick of making money for somebody else absolutely working my socks off very young family um Ronnie came to the board meeting with me when he was three months old you know it was a hell in terms of work-life balance um so I decided to put my big girl pants and step out on my own uh that where Be Heard was formed and that is over three years ago now um being known what I missed in the agency being the managing director of what whilst I I learnt so much, I miss working with clients. That's my forte. That's yeah. what I love doing. Yeah. Um, I love having an impact. I love bringing value. To. And as managing, it you know, if the toilets are broken, it's your responsibility. Yeah. If this, that, and the other, and I lost that client contact. So being out on my own, it's one of the principles I hold so dear. One of the first recruitment places I made was my head of operations yeah. because I don't do I don't do contracts I that's just skill set yeah so to have somebody in that senior level supporting me with that and allowing me to do what I do best was absolutely perfect yeah. so I'm doing what I do best 
looking after clients and loving every minute of it. That's a fantastic story. And I, I love the fact that you were 26 and, and an account director. That is a just absolute testament to how good you are. And I know <laughs> anybody out there listening how good B is. She is so intuitive, but also incredibly creative. Um, and I've been on the receiving end of a number of products that B has launched um, on behalf of her clients. And each one, without exception, has been brilliant, but notably really memorable. Really memorable. So being heard now is what, three years old and you've got a team working for you. Are you all virtual, B? Do you all work from home? Yeah, yeah, indeed. Entirely virtual. Yeah. So there's a core of us of three um, and then um, a lo- lots of, coll- uh, we have a collective. So many of my um, former colleagues from former agency lives are now out on their own as well. And we come together as a collective to deliver. So my ex-creative director, my ex-senior designer, my ex-head of marketing, my ex-PR director, one of my web developers, all from agency life yeah. are now in my collective. So consultants wise, there's plus the Be Heard, there's 15 of us that are that deliver on different projects, not all at once. No, but it's not. But they've got separate expertise that you can kind of dip in and dip out on depending on what it is that your client is looking to achieve. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And what that does is it makes us so agile because Mm. you just bring in the right resources, whereas in agency life, you are heading off so many overheads to have all of those disciplines in um so yeah it makes you incredibly incredibly agile and really focused because you bring the right resource in for the right project but Um, it also gives you the ability to kind of use the right personalities for the right clients for the right projects too because you've got that wide net of connections within that cohort that you can really be very personal with the people that you work with and for yeah absolutely yeah and that is the beauty because you know people buy people and people like doing work with people that they like and personality wise yeah you can have clashes just naturally because different disciplines especially creatives they are an amazing bunch of people Um, I I hero them all the time but my goodness when you get on the wrong side of a creative because you don't like their concepts they can be princesses and clients don't always want to deal with that um that's that's the real diva (laughs) proper is the diva of the corporate world was always the creative yeah my goodness it's um yeah they they are a breed but that that's what makes them so wonderful but they're not always brilliant at client facing um and that's where the collective works so well can you give us a glimpse into the day in the life of of be and be heard what what is a sort of typical day or is there such a thing as a typical day no there's not a typical day I have a very typical routine yeah and it's a routine that works for me as I alluded to the 5 a.m's started when I was very young um however they re is that because you just can't sleep or because 5 a.m works better for you 
no it works better for me mm. um and I read the miracle morning about eight years ago and that's what got me back into the early mornings What's apart the miracle from- morning the Miracle Morning, it's a very short book. I recommend it to anybody. And it talks about doing an hour's, it's six 10-minute exercises, not physical. One of those is physical exercise, yeah. but it's ten. It's six um, practices to do. And they challenge you to do it in the morning before you start your normal routine. So if you already get up at six, you get up at five. If you get up at five, you get up at four. Okay. And, and you bring these practices in so there's a visualization there's an affirmations there's a physical um exercise there's meditation um and I did that for a number of years Mm. I no longer need to do the full hour because I do mindfulness in a range of other forms yeah yeah Um, but the mornings work for me so I my alarm goes off at 4 45 Mm -hmm. I do I come downstairs hot water and lemon the beauty of working from home is I'm yes. I'm online within three minutes of, of waking up yeah so then I do about an hour and a half admin to get my day sorted so really just map out what my aims objectives targets what I need to do where I need to put my focus and attention 6 30s exercise time so I either do a boot camp or I go for a run um 7 15 I'm back kids are up breakfast yeah. 8am team call, 8.30 in the shower, first call at 9am. And then this is where it then becomes non-typical because it could be anything. So this morning I was on site with a client setting up an exhibition. Yeah. Yesterday morning I was running a workshop for 60 um, contributors to the development of a new brand for this particular institute that I'm working with um tomorrow I am setting up another exhibition for a client and we've got a number of live demos of their products on the main stage wow okay real work to do for that and to work the stock out so that when they come off the stage the stock and the incentives are there to follow up so it is so diverse um but that's what I love my clients are all sectors all industries I work with them in different guises but the beauty of what we do at Be Heard is we become part of your team. Yeah. We are an extension of your team. We are most people's marketing team. Yes. And the the what we are able to activate, because they sit there scratching their head saying, well, how are we going to, we've had this great idea, but how are we going to make it happen? Yeah. And we make it happen. Yeah. And I've got testament after testament of saying, yeah, strategy is brilliant. You know, we can spend a lot of time doing the strategy, but then how it do we execute it how do we actually get that done yeah. yeah and that's what we do we can contribute to the strategy we can write the strategy we can lead the strategy but the the, the most important part especially post-covid where so many roles and responsibilities yeah. have changed and different streamlining um people need reliable resource that get to know their business and become part of their team yeah. we don't sit on the peripheral we we roll our sleeves up and we get involved and that's what I love doing I love having an impact and that's what my team love doing and I I wholly support everything that you say because I've experienced it um and you absolutely are part and parcel of the shared client that we have of that team and I think that's probably how you and I have built the relationship that we've built because of that sort of immersive relationship. Um, and I think it it it's such an 
massively key element to success um you know getting involved and really rolling up your sleeves and becoming part and parcel of that environment and I think have you found with your clients that post pandemic a lot of people have taken on more responsibilities outside of what was their standard role yeah Yeah, massively where they've lost people in the great resignation and some of my clients have had a complete torrid time literally they've lost 80 percent of their workforce in a very short period of time with the question mainly because they had a younger um team mm-hmm. and uh, covid just you know people wanted to move on the, the one part of their life that they could then change post pandemic was their job yeah. um yeah. so that has massively affected but those people that have been left behind they've taken on more responsibility because they've had to keep the ship sailing you know, it's terrible sailing that's it yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or the car engine turning either one yeah. of those exactly. yeah um so and we've been part of that as well, picking up more responsibility. And the most important thing, and I hand on heart believe any of my clients would support me in saying this is we are wholly accountable. When we say we're going to do something, we do it and we hold our clients to account as well. And I often have to apologize and I say, I'm really sorry to be the nagging wife here, but at the end of this conversation, what have we actually agreed is going to happen and who is taking what action? Because so many times you can close off a really productive meeting and everyone's pumped, but actually what is the output? And we're really good at that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, yeah, again, I can, uh, I can only underline that and and support it and say, she absolutely does hold you accountable. (laughs) Sorry. No, no, not at all. You know me. I'm, I'm, I'm a workhorse too. So I'm very happy with that sort of thing. And I, I can't work unless there are very clear understandings in terms of who does what, where and when. And it's as simple as that, but you have to know that that's what you're doing. Um, and it is that simple. Um, as you know, this is up close and virtual. As you know, I'm a virtual assistant. I want to know, have you had a virtual assistant yourself? Yes, I have. Yes. Um, you don't have one now? No, I don't have one now. No. Come on then, B, spill the beans. What's the story? <laughs> um, so I took on a VA. Um, that was that was the one appointment I made before my head of operations, and it's what okay. made change my tactic on that um so it was someone I'd worked with in the past um they were very very good um but what I was finding is I was spending more of my time explaining what needed to be done which I understand at the upfront there's a lot of that definitely Uh, and I always say to anybody taking any on a virtual assistant be prepared to invest that additional time at the beginning yes and I get that. that carried on going it was quite a long time and Ooh. I was starting to think that you know when you assess each task and you think I could have done that yeah much quicker myself without the headspace that I needed um but she got she became very 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 ill um and she she had a terrible reaction um during COVID and she was only on a contract yep. so they had no legal position obligation um however she was so poorly i i really did go all out to be able to help her as much as possible with pay over a certain period of time until she was out of hospital um and it took her months months to recuperate and when she was ready to come back i was able to give her light duties 
and I um, introduced her to a few clients because I had a couple of clients that needed um, some support as well. And unfortunately, I think it's just an example of someone getting greedy where they took on way too much from those other clients and then dropped their responsibilities with me. And I find that I found that really hurtful with the support that had been given um, and boundaries were crossed. And I was just like, no, I don't work like that. So um, how frustrating we we parted. Um, I'd say, yeah, it's, it's a real shame. Um, But I have quite strong morals when it comes Mm -hmm. to that. There are lines that you don't cross, especially when someone's given you a, a lift up a number of times, including introductions to clients that they're working within and then crossing those boundaries um, is really quite sad. So I haven't re-employed a VA, but I would most definitely, if I didn't have head of operations, taking a huge amount of my responsibility um, when it comes to paperwork and legals and and those types of things. So, and I think in time I will re-employ most definitely. It's not quite right for me at the moment. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's it's like everything. Relationship with any virtual assistant is the number one priority. And you have to feel that that relationship could survive a tsunami and you would put the life of your children in the hands of that individual because the trust element is key. Yeah. And I always extol those virtues to anybody that I coach and mentor you know you get into a relationship with a client then you commit to them in the way that you would do to a husband or a wife or whatever relationship you're having yeah yeah no I I think you're absolutely right and yes and that's the commitment I have with my team actually um it's very very I wouldn't expect anything different and and it's 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 definitely replicated as well so when the time's right, I know where I'll be coming for a VA. But... <laughs> yeah. I, I'd honestly, I'd clear my client book to work with you. I really would. <laughs> <laughs> so sorry, any clients out there, if she comes knocking. <laughs> Bye. Oh, dear. Me, I think one of the things that I have certainly learned through coaching and mentoring the virtual assistants that I work with is the importance of marketing. And I think... I've been very lucky running my business in the fact that most of my business has come to me by word of mouth, but VAs are running a business. And I think one of the things I would really like to ask you to perhaps share with us are the five things that a VA should do when marketing their business. What what sort of things do you think that they should be focusing on or putting their efforts into? Um. Okay, so I would say um, absolutely number one is know who your target audience is. Spend time doing your customer persona work or your avatar work or your segmentation, whatever you want to call it. It's all the same things. You need to know what buckets and you'll have a lot of customer types. Mm -hmm. You need to wholly understand where those segments exist. Mm -hmm. What are the different motivations of each of those different people? Because you can can be quite um, stereotypical when you're drawing a comparison. And I would also recommend you name that persona. So for example, 
Mabel. Fred, Mabel, whatever, becomes that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And when you're writing a piece of content, you are writing it for Fred because you know Fred has these challenges. Mm-hmm. You know that actually he's had um, this career progression you know that he hangs out in these networks you know he loves doing this this and this and that's what I talk about in terms of broad stereotypes not everybody but you broadly know that type of person you visualize them when you're writing a piece of content and I promise you you will write that piece of content in half the time because you can see him you'll be tuned in and the most important thing is you are drawing uh, you're aiming to draw an emotional connection yeah. You're not shouting, this is me, come and buy me, do this, buy my services. Mm-hmm. You are fixing somebody's problem, someone's pain point, someone's challenge. And those pain points are all very, very different across your customer persona. So number one, do your customer Ideal persona. customer, yeah. Um, and I happily, anybody that wants to uh, comment on this podcast or um, make contact, I'll happily give you katie a, a core customer persona template that will get you started oh um, that's, to at least really get that's really kind thank you we will definitely take you up on that um so that's number one number two is consider what you have around you first mm-hmm. so don't charge out there thinking i need new customers mm-hmm. what have you got right in front of you who's got a good who will give you a review who gets you into what network who could give you a speaker opportunity who could use your services so really don't forget your own black book and your own networks and most importantly those people that are close to you or rely on you who they might have that will help you in your marketing efforts because it's far easier to go with a warm connection than it is to create a cold connection I couldn't agree more. That referral network is so much more valuable than you ever give it credit for. And also remember, it's not going to cost you a whole heap to invest in either. No, absolutely not. Much, much cheaper route to market than creating a completely new cold audience. Yeah. So number three is build your data and build your community, but on the back of number one, number two. Mm-hmm. Um, So really, you know, look after that data, nurture it, make notes. If you know their son's name, if you know their birthday, if you know they love Formula E over Formula One, really get a CRM that's going to allow you to put those personal notes in. Because I tell you what, pays absolute dividends when you make an approach or you're touching base or someone's referred you and you need that person. So really be careful with your data, build your community. Yeah. Um, number four, I can't stress this enough. If you're going to do something, be consistent. Yeah. Like, just if you're going to do one post a week on a certain time on a certain topic, be consistent. Like you're doing these podcasts, you can't get halfway through and say, "Oh, I'm too busy to do it now." No. Now, I need to give myself this advice first because my own consistency <laughs> over my own marketing, of which I'm so fortunate, I don't really need to do because my referral base is so, so strong. And thank you for that, everybody that refers. But really be consistent. Take on what you can manage Mm -hmm. and do it consistently. Don't write a marketing plan that you've got then deliver alongside your day job and you fail because you're only failing yourself. Do what you can do and make yourself feel good about the efforts that you're doing and do it consistently. Yeah. Um, Oh, four and five kind of, wrap into each other actually 
treat to a to a degree treat your own marketing like you treat a client yes yes assign time frames assign deadlines assign the same principles that you work with a client relationship on as you do to your own marketing because your business and your marketing deserves that discipline but it deserves the skills that you also share with everybody else and like me you you usually share those skills with everybody else and then forget yourself in that process it's quite interesting that you should say that one of the things that I always try to instill in anybody who's setting off on this new business owner journey is to schedule those regular business activities into their general weekly activities so I set time aside every week to make sure that, you know, my accounts are up to date. I do the same with my marketing activity, although I have to admit that I now have a VA who helps me with my marketing activity because I was very aware of the fact that I was running out of time to keep it regular. And I think it's also helped me stop doing that awful yo-yoing in my sales and marketing activity Um, and maybe people out listening might not understand what that yo-yoing is do you, do you want to sort of give a bit of a update yeah. on what that is well it's a complete waste of energy because mm-hmm. what you do it spikes it's you create sp- sales spikes and you're constantly chasing yourself because you suddenly get into the here and now mode which is I need need new business now I'm going to go out and get it you throw a load of energy activity and potentially cost mm-hmm. to spike your sales you then have a couple of inquiries you convert a couple everything's good you let all of that drop and then you're back in six months later you're back into the same cycle yeah. um, it's a complete waste of energy if you are consistent then you will engage with your audience through pulling that audience to you rather than pushing every time you sell spike you're pushing against the closed door with a huge amount of energy that's required to do it with very very little return if you pull your audience to you by consistency by community build by getting to know by being authentic by being clear on your customer personas you you create an emotional connection with your audience and they become warm to you um so consistency is so important i i couldn't agree more and i think what you said earlier with regards to you know when you do it you know even if your time is so constrained that you only post on a wednesday lunchtime on your social media platforms and you send out one newsletter a year just be consistent about doing it and make sure that you do do it weekly and you do do it annually i think that's really important one of the questions that I often get is is about you know CRM management platforms and basically database management. Well, what are your thoughts on having a CRM? Do you see it as an essential part of running a business? Or yeah, I really do, really, really do. Um, and my views of, on this have changed because the CRM systems are so strong now and the off the shelf solutions, unless you're a very specific business with very specific um, customer needs, the likes of HubSpot, you know, I can't really recommend it highly enough. What you can do within that platform for yourself, for the management of your own business, for the collation of your social advertising um, and also for your clients, Mm. that is really critical. You know, I use, 
HubSpot for myself. I use the free version for yeah. BHAD. I use HubSpot for my clients, mo- mainly all of my clients. Yeah. And it is the hub of what we do because all the paid advertising goes through it, all the social posts, everything's scheduled through it. Customer contacts are kept there, sales progression, acquisitions, reports. We spend hardly any time reporting at the end of every month now. Where we're, Because we're, it's all in HubSpot and you just put push yeah. a button don't you yeah and it's all linked and it does such clever things like it has this feature which is a lead scorer so you set up say for example if someone was to click on one story on your website and then read a case study and then watch a little bit of video you give them points for everything that they do on your website and the website keeps sorry hubspot keeps up to date with how many points that person's got and when they get to a certain number of points they um identify them as a hot lead or a warm lead and they say that this is probably the point to make contact with them because they've done this this and this activity that's um, really clever and it's I think, intuitive yeah that is very clever I didn't appreciate that it did that I have to say I don't use HubSpot I'm afraid I I'm a MailChimp user for for all of my CRM stuff um yeah but it works for me but actually I think bringing everything in line and one of the poor things that Joe gets really frustrated with is being able to schedule various postings in advance and for some reason or other I've got a technical glitch with my meta business account thanks Facebook she can't get into the back of that to be able to to actually schedule stuff so I should probably be looking at, at, at HubSpot as well but I don't get anything like that sort of level of information and that would be really invaluable to me i mean that would could be life-changing or business changing to be honest are there any other tools or um apps that you couldn't live without from a marketing perspective um well canva is bloody amazing (laughs) bloody amazing and my creatives they often get a bit upset because they say well why are you using canva Actually, what it does is it allows them to be creatives because Canva can't do the concepts. It can't do the thinking. It allows them to have really lovely briefs. And then you can be so flexible with them what you push out through Canva. Um, And uh, yeah, I I would say that that is amazing. Um, And there's some there's other tools. There's a lot of tools when it comes to SEO and PPC um but you have to be in that full-time yeah it has to be full-time investment because of the licenses and it has to be such a big part of your um strategy Mm. and it's a big investment huge yeah huge investment financially and time wise yeah and i what i would say is whatever tool you you deploy be it HubSpot, MailChimp, there's a place for MailChimp, there's nothing wrong with MailChimp at all, but whatever tool you deploy, give yourself a sense check every half a year and go, actually, have I learned more features have come in? Have I audited how much I'm using it? Because there'll always be new advancements that you can take advantage of and and the world of automation has moved on so much, so much. And we started this conversation with faxes. Yes, we did. (laughs) We're coming to the end. And I always like to ask anybody that I chat to on this, you know, kind of what's the best piece of advice that you've ever received? Oh, my. Um, 
uh, one of my directors when I was in London said to me, B, what does success really look like for you? Mm-hmm. And I thought, geez. Well, at the time, I thought, well, loads of money. Big yeah. salaries. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that, uh, do you know what? I, I measure myself very consistently by asking myself that question. And it changes so much through the years, through the different yeah. stages of life that you're in. Um, but the ability to look after yourself, I really had underestimated. When I worked for the big agency in Kent, um, when I was managing director, I never gave a minute to myself. I never cared for myself. I was never kind to myself. I was kind to everyone else. I looked after 35 members of staff. They got everything from me. I gave no time to my own mental health, my own physical health, my diet, my sleep. Mm. Um, So you really, I really impress on anybody. And if I could tell something to my younger self it would be look after yourself first because it allows you to look after everybody else which is what I love doing I'm a people pleaser I'm I love you know I can run a business but I do huge amounts in the community as well and you can do those things when you're filling your own pot Mm -hmm. you're not and you're running on empty it's and I now know when I'm getting to that point of how can it be just take a little step back and I actually I do it with kindness now rather than oh my god you've taken on too much what what's this all about yeah actually it's okay B you know you can get back in control of this because you've just lost a day because you had a live event or this that and the other don't beat myself up I just put measures in place but the first thing I'll do is try and get that physical exercise or that mental well-being in first because it makes you so much stronger and more capable of then tackling the challenges of an everyday business. Yeah, that's great advice. And I think, you know, the one thing that I always reflect on is if you don't look after yourself, you cannot look after anybody else. Yeah, it is so important. Kind of what's on your mind right now? What's what's that sort of nagging monkey brain saying to you at the moment? Oh, the monkey brain is saying, how do you scale this business without getting a a team of 35 members of staff? Because I don't want to manage that many people again. I loved every one of my employees. I respected them hugely, but I don't want to leave what I do, which is it fills my pot by living and delivering value for my clients. I don't want a huge client base. And uh, sorry, I don't want a huge employee base, but the business is growing rapidly. You know, we, we've we hit our turnover figures and they were pie in the sky when I set them out three years ago. I was like, yeah, we go there, there, there. <laughs> and we're, we're, we're going through the roof with it. And the demand is huge. And I want to be able to do a really good job for every single client that I work with in every single project. How do I do that when it's, it's me mm-hmm. and I don't want a huge employee base so, that yeah. my monkey brain constantly goes, how do you, how do you get over that? And how, where do you get help for that sort of thing? Do you have a mentor? Do you have a coach? Do you have a guru? Do you have a husband who's just brilliant and knows all the answers? Um, no. And it's actually something I've been thinking about. So uh, Zara Davies, I read her book um, whilst I took yes. my out in Spain which is another podcast conversation yeah Um, 
but she talks about mentoring from afar. So she she said she had so many mentors, but they didn't know they were actual mentors because yeah. she followed them, she read them. I do a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think it's come to the right time in my business journey where I need to get a mentor, a guru, a like-minded person that I can just take a bit of time out of the business once a month and say, okay, this is what's really bothering me. Yeah. Um, do you know, it's really interesting you say that. Um, I, I've i always been looking at that whole kind of scale up, but then how? what's my exit strategy post that? So um, and to anybody listening... I am a little bit older than B um, and I'm not. (laughs) So I've kind of hit that point in my life. You know, it's kind of okay, exit now. And weirdly, or maybe it's not so weird. The person that I've actually found to go to is my accountant. Mm, Interesting. Yeah. That's really. He's young. He's dynamic. He really understands the sort of business that I do. Um, and he's we've got to know each other pretty well, obviously, over the years. So he's seen how the business has developed. I respect him enormously, yeah. but we also just get on. And 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 that that for me just happened quite by chance rather than going out and wanting to find somebody. But I sometimes think that these sort of people do just kind of appear at the right time. There's a sort of fate thing that happens and you know, you suddenly just happen to be at the right place at the right time and in front of the right people asking the right questions and the light bulb moment happens. Yeah, and I think that might have happened for me. I've got a new client where we're working on a personal brand for him um, for um, exit strategy in the next couple of years. And there's real affinity there. I really feel that he gets me and I get what he does and we're going to sort his personal brand first, but then I think there'll be reciprocal work there where he he will have experienced what we do and then say, okay, I will ask the question, could you help me Um, and be that friend, critical friend to the business. So, B, I knew you'd be a brilliant guest and you have absolutely proven that. Thank you so, so much for spending time with me this afternoon. And the lovely listeners, we will make sure that we share all of these information and her contact details and do, you know, comment, subscribe, ring bells, whatever it is that the podcast community wants us to do. If you could do it, that would be great. And we will obviously get in contact with you. And if there's any information that you want from B, I know that she'd be delighted to hear from you. So thank you. B, as always, a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening. Please don't forget to follow me and my guests on our social channels. All the details will be in the show notes. And please get in touch if you have any questions or topics that you might like to have covered in the next episodes, or even if you would like to be a guest yourself.